The dead dive. What, Captain Hollister? Everybody's dead dive. What, Todd Hunter? What, Selby? Not Chen. He's dead, Dave. Everybody is dead. Everybody is dead, Dave. Welcome to Everybody Is Dead Dave, the Red Dwarf review podcast, where we make our way through every single episode of Red Dwarf in order, and we are up to series six now. We're getting towards the end of the original run. Uh, every week, we joined. Well, we joined every week. It's me, <laughs> Phil, and my co-host Adam. Say hello, Adam. Hello, everyone. And we are making our way, as I said, through every single episode of Red Dwarf. Me for the I don't know if if you if you include times I've gone through the whole series, maybe third or fourth time. Adam, I believe it's yes, my very first time. I'm getting used to it. So you know, first five series I've got down now, nearly at the end of the sixth and. I think it's fair to say I'm, I'm I'm a pretty firm fan of this show. You know, I'm enjoying it. Otherwise, as I think I've said to Phil before, if I wasn't, I don't think we'd still be still be doing this. But yeah, I'm having a good time. And um, yeah, I can't believe we're nearly at the end of Series 6 already. It doesn't feel like a month ago since we started. I know, crazy. It doesn't time fly. We're mm. up to the episode Emo Hawk, colon, hmm. Polymorph 2. Yes, a sort of, uh, I guess, is this the first proper sequel, if you like, yeah, to Red Dwarf? Yeah, it is. And we're, it was originally meant to be called Polymorph 2 hyphen Emo Hawk. But apparently, according to the IMDb trivia section, uh, one of the two writers thought that sounded a bit too much like a football score. Polymorph <laughs> 2, Emo Hawk, something. Bill. Yeah, no, I, I I vouched for that. I vouched for that, yeah. So so we switched them around instead. So yeah, our first sequel. And uh, I'll read you the synopsis. Starbug is attacked by a Space Corps enforcement probe for looting derelict ships. Starbug crash lands on a Gelf moon where Lister must marry the Gelf leader's daughter in exchange for an oxygen-breathing unit. Yes. So we've got... This is an episode where we've got lots of returning elements... I mean, it's it, it's probably got the most returning elements from previous episodes in any episode of Red Dwarf, I think. Okay, yeah. You know, there you is see, a lot. I mean, you've got... the We've never met this type of Gelf before, Gelf standing for genetically engineered life form. But we've met other Gelfs before. The polymorph we itself is, is a type of Gelf. Um, and these they, we, this is the first time we've met these type of Gelfs. But we've met Gelfs before. We've had the Polymorph before. And there are other things that come up a yeah. bit later that, that also get a, a sort of revival in this episode as well. So mm. it's, I, yeah, it's I like it. I like the fact that we're getting all these little callbacks to previous episodes i do love it when they do that yeah i mean we've i think we've discussed before there's so much they could draw on, and sometimes they go for like the really i guess small or niche things and sometimes they go for the more obvious things and this one does a bit of both i think you know obviously you've got the central thing you mentioned of the poly well of a polymorph appearing again um but you've also got some little bits and pieces that we as you say we will discuss but quite unexpected but also quite rewarding so yeah, we'll get to that. But um... there were, as as a someone who has watched the whole series before several times, I couldn't remember. About, there were several things that that I couldn't remember about this episode, and afterwards I was like, "Oh, okay, it's it's like that." Because like I couldn't remember if this polymorph was going to be the one that 
were still on the ship because sure can you remember at the end of that first polymorph episode there was a second polymorph that there was, was apparently still on red dwarf yes um, yeah and i couldn't it's not this is not the same polymorph <laughs> no so that one who knows where that one went <laughs> Yeah, that one's just uh, that. Well, I say it was on Red Dwarf. It's probably still on there. Of course, they're not on Red Dwarf Wherever at the minute, Red Dwarf so it's is, probably yeah. yeah, yeah it's a big it's, ship. It's a huge ship. It's lurking around there somewhere, I reckon. So this episode starts with Rimmer running an emergency drill, um, mm. which Lister and the cats are not there for at all. They do, they no. they do not like this drill. They don't know. And they don't um, want to get out of bed. <laughs> yeah, and I, I've I've got to say though, this whole like opening segment if you like like the drill and and the stuff that takes place in the cockpit um i've got to be honest phil it didn't really do it for me this mm-hmm. time around like the whole first i think i wrote like the whole first 10 minutes or so like the first third of the episode just wasn't really wasn't really grabbing me which surprised me because normally even when uh, we've had episodes like this where because of course you know the title doesn't necessarily mean of an episode we're getting you know, 30 minutes of that title. It could be something that appears halfway through or towards the end. We've had that before. Um, But I always feel in the past when that's been the case, I've still been sort of, you know, engaged or with whatever's been going on beforehand. And yeah, I don't know. I just wasn't with it. I I wasn't really a fan of uh, most of the jokes personally. Um, Nothing against the actors. I thought they put in a fine job as always. But yeah, there was just just something about it that wasn't grabbing me. But um, what did you think of this whole opening segment? I can see, I, I do see what you mean there, that it, it wasn't my favourite. And in fact, this whole episode itself, um, I would say in terms of the comedy, I wasn't, I, I didn't find a lot of it particularly funny. When we get into the bit later scenes, it's, I think it's a good action adventure. But yes. I, I wasn't like, I wasn't particularly laughing out loud at a lot of it. So as a comedy, I don't think this episode necessarily works massively well. Sure. But as a action adventure, after we get past this opening scene, it's a lot better. But yeah, this opening scene, I, I do think, yeah, I think you're probably right. We get a few jokes about, you know, Rimmer being all bureaucratic. And what was he says? He You think I'm a petty-minded bureaucratic nincompoop who delights in enforcing pernickety regulations because he gets some sort of perverse pleasure out of it. And in many ways, you're absolutely damn right. At least he knows who he is. <laughs> Yeah, he knows who he is. And I've got to say, Crichton's reaction to Rimmer's self-description was something I did chuckle at. You know, he's <laughs> yeah. just sort of it's nodding in the, in the background. Yeah, he's just yeah. like, yep, yep. And the other only main thing I liked in this opening thing was uh, one of Cat's lines, actually. Uh, you know, when they're talking about haircuts. Oh, yes. And um, he says, I have got hair like yours, just not on my head. <laughs> just because, like, that, that caught me completely by surprise. And I, I found that really funny. Um, but yeah, a lot of the jokes, like the, the Space Core directive joke this time around, and I know we've said before, like, you told me this was going to become a recurring thing. And I think I said a few episodes ago, I'm with it as long as, you know, the the punchline of the joke is is something that makes me laugh, then I'm here for it being recurring. Yeah. Um, but this time, yeah, for me at least, I, it see, fell a bit flat on this I one. I quite liked the first part of it, uh, where... Crichton had his first line of going... 68250? But sir, surely that's impossible without at least one live chicken and a rabbi. (laughs) If it had stopped there, I think it would have been better, but because they went on to a second bit of it, uh, you know, and made it clear that the chicken was for a sacrifice, um, I think that actually uh, weakened it a bit because I I think the funny, the, the comedy of it came from not 
know, like leaving it up to your own imagination, what that sh- what was going on with that chicken and that rabbi. Yeah, absolutely. It's a case of, uh, as Adam always seems to say, go, you know, a joke going on for maybe a tad, a tad too long the whole, throughout this whole opening segment because we're still be it's still filmed in front of a, a live studio audience, right? Or is it pre-recorded I think so, and then yeah. shown? I it's don't live, know. right? I, I think it's live, but well, I... well, if yeah, well, if it's live, I just noticed towards the end of this, like again, the first ten minutes, but before all the stuff with the. Um, you know, like being uh, chased or, or and all that sort of stuff. Um, towards the end of it, even the audience response seems like less full than normal. Do you know what I mean? Like the laughter seems less full. And um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just think this whole opening segment, everything involved in it, you, you could, I think, you basically could have got to the main crux of this episode quicker, um, and still have some of those like good jokes in there but yeah i I don't know the first third of this episode just felt a bit a bit lackluster for me personally yeah i yeah i I agree i think there was a lot in there that probably could have been trimmed down massively the whole stuff about hair probably could have been trimmed down Rimmer's little sort of treaty on the the people with the shortest hair always win is that true in history i I don't know. Uh, well, Must be some long haired people that have won some wars at some point. Well, surely the Vikings. The Vikings, won something. yes. Yeah, yeah. But the kind of this whole first section gets sort of ended by them being confronted by a ship, which is a spinning disc thing, as as we see it. It looks like this weird yes. spinning disc. I wasn't too sure on the effect though here. I don't know what yeah. you thought. Uh, well, it looked the spinning image looked very two D as opposed, but because there's a shot later where the orb is like more stationary, and I think when it's yeah. stationary, it looks more like a model. Um, but when it's spinning, I I don't know the technique, but I think it's like you know you take the photo of the of the three D image, and then you just it was almost like they were flipping it just back and forth, but on like a, so I, I'd be hesitant to yeah. call it what we know as like computer graphics, but sort of so whatever are, the are old you think, school. Do you mean like? Like at the beginning of um, Superman, where the uh, Kryptonians are in the triangle. Is it that kind of thing? Where, the, uh, yeah, where a flat image is just being kind of put on, flipped? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think it's just, yeah, like, you know, pre that weird phase where it's like pre-mainstream CG or what we'd call CG. And it's like the last remnants of that sort of, that sort of style. Um, but yeah, I preferred it when it was stationary, though. I don't know why they just didn't do like a, you know have the two models sort of hovering and then put because it was the whole thing of it warping so i don't know why they just didn't add like a warp effect as opposed to it because I, I took it as the spinning was it warping because then when we cut back to the cockpit you know they were reacting to it like things were setting on fire so yeah it was just um it was an odd choice of effect i thought yeah it's the space core enforcement probe um and it's yeah. charging them with looting space core derelicts which as Crichton says they're as guilty as the man behind the grassy knoll. Yes. Yeah. Which is another JFK reference. We go, you it know, is. we're getting these uh, repetitive JFK references. It seems to be the thing Red Dwarf goes back to in terms of historical events is JFK and Hitler quite frequently. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I guess it's two that most people know about, isn't it? Or two maybe the public would have awareness of. Absolutely. Yeah. So they are going to try and evade it by heading into Gulf space. Yes. to outrun it um it's uh there's like an action scene where they're getting fired upon but there's not that many model shots in it there's a few out exterior model shots but mostly it's kind of 
all cockpit based. Yes. Um, but I, I thought they did quite a good job working within the limitations there, presumably budget limitations, of making it still feel like quite a tense action scene, even though majority of the shots were them kind of flinging themselves around the cockpit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they do a good job. You know, it's that old school necessity of making it look realistic, even though they aren't really doing that much. Yeah. Um, I like the bit where... Um, uh Rimmer was going thinks he's lost them and he was like oh no I've, i was looking at the wrong screen <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> that was a good gag <laughs> and yes. then they they eventually crash land on a on a gulf moon yeah starboard crashed again who would have thunk it you know so yeah. the most indestructible the now. ship they don't yes. have the excuse of yeah. having loads in the in the in the bay that they can switch between anymore they've got the one starbug they can't afford to keep crashing it <laughs> They do, but as as uh, I think Lister says, they can just auto repair most of it. So yeah, that <laughs> was a nice a little feature, throwaway you know? line. Auto repair, yeah. handy. Yeah, that's that's a good MacGuffin. Yeah, but most of their belongings are destroyed in this crash, um, and they don't have many to begin with. They were already low on supplies at the beginning. They were having conversations about having to eat the moss off of asteroids yes. and things because they're so low on supplies, and most of their things are destroyed here. I like the bit where they they were talking about it being destroyed. Lister wasn't in the room, and yeah. they find out the cat uh, the cat finds Lister's guitar not destroyed, yeah. and he destroys it so that he yes. can say it was uh, destroyed in the uh, in the crash. Because as we all know, Lister cannot play the guitar very well, even though he thinks he's the next John Bon Jovi or something like that. So. Yeah, John Bon Jovi does John Bon Jovi play the guitar? I suppose he might do. Does he? I don't know. I, don't know. I just think of him as a singer, but maybe For he some does. reason, I just thought of, I was like, ooh, guitar, let's think. And for some reason, Bon Jovi just came to my head. But yeah, that's a good point. I don't know if not, John Not Jimi Hendrix, not Brian May. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, the 80s is a genre I delve into, so that was the clearly the first one on my mind. But yes, yeah. Um, uh, so they very quickly realize they've got to trade with the Gulf because they yes. don't, they just don't have the supplies and they need, no. they need, they don't have the critical thing is they don't have a working oxygen unit, so they can't take off. Mm. They would have a few minutes of air in space and that is it. So yep. they're going to have to try and trade with the Gulf. Mm. Um, I like <laughs> Lister goes a bit, um, a bit Del Boy with this trading. He takes along his suitcase full of Swiss watches and Levi jeans. Yes, yeah, sort of very, like I say, Del Boyish or street market type thing. Saying, oh, you know, very, very good quality stuff. You know, like this will do you. I mean, we've all, I'm sure we've all been the subject of that somewhere around the world. You know, where it, whether it's here in the UK or elsewhere. But um, I had it once in Hong Kong. Some guy tried to peddle me a. Uh, a Rolex, um, but at least it, he didn't even try and be subtle. He was like, "It's not a real Rolex, but it looks like one." And I was like, "I admire your, I was like, "I admire your honesty," but I'm still, I'm still not going to buy yeah. it. Yeah, so. I remember I like being on holiday as a kid and buying loads of fake, um, yes, fake, yeah. fake like Armani underwear and stuff like that <laughs> from market stores for like fifty p. Like, yes, yeah. yeah. Hey, it's an experience. You, we've all done it once, whether as a kid or an adult. You see some. Uh, 
that's like fake branded and you're like, yeah, that's that's what I'm going to go for. But you learn, you learn quick. And now it just makes you chuckle now. Like, you know, like say you go around holiday stores, like places like the Canary Islands, you know, all those little shops. And it's like, oh, yeah, look at this like Chanel handbag that's yeah. definitely not Chanel. Oh, but you can buy it for 10 euros. So, you know, that's a great deal. <laughs> yep. Luckily, uh, Crichton does speak Gelf. So that's quite mm. handy. Um, yes. we, I often forget that Crichton is not from the same period of time as the rest of them are, or, or for, as Lister and Rimmer are. He's from well, quite a far in the future from them originally. Like, yes. when, when they left Earth, the, you know, the, even the, the androids weren't a massive big thing. And, mm. uh, and so he knows a lot more about gelfs and gelfs weren't a thing genetically life forms weren't the thing but he knows about them because he's further in the future i always forget that until something like this happens yeah no for sure and it's moments like this in this story where i mean this whole part of the gelfs homeworld just gave me really strong return of the jedi vibes like they get these gelfs sort of reminded me of overgrown ewoks and then (laughs) Obviously, the fact that Crichton can translate, it just, it, it, it reinforces what I think we've said before. He has elements of like a C-3PO character. Oh, and of yes, course, yeah. C-3PO has, what is it, like six million languages or something. So whenever Crichton translates in the show, I'm like, oh yeah, this kind, this is kind of like C-3PO. So this whole, I don't know whether this whole segment or like the look of it, if you like, was like maybe a very subtle homage to that. But it, that's the vibes it gave me. I was like, this is like some sort of, weird uh, pastiche on on the endor scenes from return of the jedi yeah and the nego during the negotiations is where we see the polymorph which is a emo hawk which An is emo a- hawk, apparently yes. a domesticated polymorph so it will turn into what and do its sort of owner's bidding and turn into what the owner wants it to yeah and it looked quite sweet the little model of it yeah. that they had obviously a lot less um i'd say a lot less initially terrifying than the original polymorph design but maybe that was i guess that's the idea if it's been domesticated it probably isn't going to look as vicious in its natural form yeah well i don't i mean was that its natural form or was that the form that the uh gelf wanted it to be in i don't know well i i hear what you're saying but then we do see it in a quote-unquote its natural form like there's the bit where it's on um like lister's head as they're walking back through the uh through the forest and then i think we do see it in in that form once on the ship i can't remember when but i liked so i don't know that's that's what i thought anyway i was like okay so this is what an emo hawk looks like as opposed to what the original polymorph yeah because it does look very different to uh to what the original polymorph yeah so yeah yeah maybe um then we get the bomb drop of the fact what they actually want for this for this oxygen unit in exchange, they yes. want Lister, not not his hat, not his coat. Nope. nope. Lister himself. They want Lister to marry the chief's daughter. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> A real turn of events there, I think, you know. Yeah. I also really like the line. Come on, Lister, you've dated worse. <laughs> Only due to very poor disco lighting. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> I you know, I think we've all had mates or even ourselves probably have done that where you know, you've had mates who have either got with someone on a very drunken night out and then they say, "Oh, I didn't see because of the light inside." I I thought that was quite a funny gag. 
Um, and the whole the whole ceremony, actually, I thought was quite funny. At first, I thought, oh, are they going to drag this out? But all, all the scenes around it, uh, I, I really found quite funny, like the marriage. And then obviously when they go into like the hut and she, and she just absolutely like goes for him and how he handles it. I thought yeah, it was great. Yeah, Lister doesn't thought... get much uh, luck when it comes to women, really, because Not every really. time we, he's, he's managed to get a kiss in somewhere, it's been either this gelf, uh, really, really big hairy gelf person, or last time it was the brain sucking creature, was. wasn't it? So yes, yeah, he sees luck yeah. with kisses. Unlucky in love, unfortunately, is Lister. Um, but <laughs> one of the funniest bits I found was when um, when they ditch the initial escape plan, and you know he just sprints out the hut and goes, "New plan, leg it." Um, the the bride's comment that oh you know men they're all bastards you know I, I don't know why that just made me laugh a lot yeah know? and uh, it works it does work really well because they hadn't subtitled the gelf up to that point no. so we were relying on Crichton's translation or just like the general kind of like okay we get that they're angry we get you know from the tone of their voice this is the first point where we get actual subtitles for what they're saying and it's uh, God, men they're all bastards. <laughs> Yeah, so the last thing you'd expect, which I think it works really well for this scene. Anyway. Yeah, but of course, the chief, very annoyed that his his uh, daughter has been abandoned, sends the polymorph after them, and uh, yes. it gets turns into various things on route, a stick, and eventually Lister's hat uh, when his hat yep. falls off. So he picks up, obviously, the wrong hat, puts it on his head, and takes it back into Starbug. And and then we get it kind of chaining into various things, including their chicken. Interesting choice. Yes, including a chicken and then a can of, uh, not Heinz, I think it said Bynes. Bynes baked beans, beans uh, but very clearly. Yeah, clearly they, <laughs> yeah, I wonder how they skirted that one because, I mean, take away the words, it's very clearly meant to be a can of Heinz baked beans. It's the same colours, it's the same, like, design. They just changed one letter. So I don't, you know, don't know what the reasoning behind that was, but... Yeah, I thought the the effect of the the polymorph, like how well how it morphed again, like it's still it's still good as it was back in I think was it, it was series three, wasn't it? I yeah. think I first saw it, like the whole how it moves around, and they were really inventive with how it travelled this time. Like you know, there's moments where it turned into like a paper airplane yeah, and a or like an RC, a slinky or an RC car. I really like those. I thought it was just really rather than just have it be one thing and always like slither around or have it be played off screen actually because i think that happened a lot first time around we didn't it a lot of it was off screen how it moved around so actually like we saw how it moved around and how it adapted yeah because i think i'm trying to think if we saw it we did see it bounce as a ball last time i think and that was probably oh, the okay. only movement we really saw um yeah, but eventually the cat kind of smells something is wrong. The cat's super smelling again and sniffs mm, his way to the yes. baked beans when the uh, polymorph then bursts out of the beans and suckers his head. And, and we get a falls yes. to the floor and he emerges. And this is the, the next callback to a previous episode. He's Dwayne yep. Dibley. <laughs> Dwayne Dibley, which I which probably got one of the biggest cheers from the audience. Like when he came up, there was a lot of clapping Apparently and cheering. Apparently, so. they had to record this scene so many times because the audience clapping and whooping went on too long. Every like, oh, wow. and they just couldn't continue the scene because it had just been like a ridiculous amount of gap that the scene just it didn't make sense to carry on. So they had to just keep on recording it and recording it and recording it until Blimey. you know the audience 
had like it died down a little bit and they they weren't quite whooping and cheering as much yes yeah no but i mean it, it it's great you know obviously Dwayne dibley when he appeared the first time was really funny partly because it's the complete antithesis of cat and danny john jules embodies that to a t and just seeing him emerge with his little bowl cut and uh big teeth you know it just it was a great reveal. Yeah. And I it, really loved we it. first, of course, saw Dwayne Dibley back in the Back to Reality episode. He was the when, yes. the, when the um squid, uh, despair squid, had put made them all think they were actually in a reality game, and they came out of it. That was Cat's r- real world in inverted commas personality. And um, yes. I, I don't know if you remember when we did the first Polymorph episode. I. I can't remember if I said I was exactly what I was expecting, but I was like, oh, something didn't happen that I was expecting to happen. And it was this. I, in my, because oh, right. like, it's been about 10 years since I had done a run through of watching these episodes. I sure. had remembered that Dwayne Dibley had been created, like turned the cat had been turned into Dwayne Dibley by a polymorph and thought that that was the first time we were going to see Dwayne Dibley was that first polymorph episode. And then it didn't happen. I was like, uh, oh, okay. Uh, not now then. Um, so yeah. so that was what that was all about, if you if you remember me saying right. that at the time. It all makes sense now. But um, yeah, no, it, it was... I, I just liked it. And I thought, well, if Dwayne Dibley's coming back, I, even at that time, I thought, oh, there's potential for maybe more alternative versions of the leading cast to... And indeed there was, because it then goes and takes Rimmer's negativity, snideness, bitterness, and he becomes Ace Rimmer. Ace Rimmer, yes. Got another good cheer from the crowd, uh, from the audience. It did. So clearly, you know, I think that it shows that these... These side characters, if you like, were well received the first time around. Because I mean, we when I think we when we discussed the Ace Rimmer episode, we really enjoyed him, like his characterization. Again, how he's the complete opposite of Rimmer, and how uh, Chris Barry plays him. And you know, you get all the old cat phrase, catchphrases in there, like what was it? Smoke me a kipper, I'll be back yeah, for breakfast. Yeah, and Cat says, and, "What and a guy." Saying, what a guy which did get a big laugh as well so yeah it, it, it's it, they they're acknowledging what's happened but they're doing it in a quite clever way even though it's on the nose like they're not being subtle about it it's it's not i don't know it's, i i i wasn't like oh my god they're doing this again it was done quite well i enjoyed yeah. it yeah and the, they didn't do any more than that though they didn't bring uh, lister and Crichton didn't get suckered at any point no which i thought was a lit well i mean i guess if they'd all done it maybe it could be argued that well they might not have been able to stop it but i don't know it would have been cool to see all four who do you think they could have like if we're doing callbacks to previous stories i think Crichton maybe could have gone maybe they could have got him in kind of his um gunman of the apocalypse type persona where he's doubting himself and oh like yeah, possibly yeah. like the drunken, drunken sheriff type. So, but then I thought, well, if if you've got Ace Rimmer, who's actually quite a positive character, like maybe it wouldn't be out of the question. Uh, you could have had Crichton's, like I think his name was Jack Bullet, you know, the detective from Back to Reality. Yeah, uh, the the one who's overconfident with Lister. I'm yeah, not. Yeah, I sure couldn't think of anybody that done. would actually 
that you'd actually turn him into? Who? What happened to him in the first Polymorph episode? What did it take for him? Oh, it took his fear, didn't uh, it? It made him really brash and yeah, like, oh, like, yeah, yeah exactly. I'm going to go and numb. Yeah, like the aggression and stuff. But yeah, maybe that's why they didn't do it. Maybe like obviously with Ace Rimmer and Dwayne Dibley, they're very distinctive opposite, like polar opposites, I suppose. So maybe that's why they stuck to that. Yeah. Um, but once they find the other two, I guess they've got, they're like, well, we've got to find a way to to stop it and they come up with a few different ideas don't they a few different plans uh yes i can't remember what they were, were now though um well ace has one idea what, wasn't he he's like, he oh, wants I'll, to save I'll them yeah the so he's he wants to save yeah. save the last human so he's going to flush it out of the airlock but in doing so it'll take him and cat with them uh and yes. he's like, I'll put Cat out of his misery. I'll snap his neck first. Lush. <laughs> like, yeah, okay, it's quite a, Dave, yeah, quite Dave an is the last jump. human. Yeah. Cat could be the last cat as well. Like, it's a bit, a bit harsh. Yeah. Apparently surplus to requirements, apparently. Apparently so. Cat always gets the short end of the stick, doesn't he? He always gets forgotten about. <laughs> he does. It's a little unfair, but, you know. <laughs> Luckily, though, before he can complete his plan, I did like the bit where he was luring him into the elevator as well, into the airlock elevator. Oh, airlock yeah. He, and he's Dwayne, Cat as Dwayne, he's just clueless, and he's like, why am I, what's the plan again? <laughs> and uh, yeah. he's like, just stand there, just in front of me. But he's like, like he's about to snap his neck, and then Dave and uh, Crichton burst in and... Uh, and they can't do it anymore because then that would kill Dave. So that plan gets yeah. kind of thrown away, and they just ain't, they're going to try and capture it instead. Yeah, yeah, no. But and then when they all they all join up and they all go to <clears throat> excuse me, they all go to do it, and they uh, was it they plan to freeze it, don't they? That's mm. what they go for. Um, but Cat ends up with it, and it turns into a grenade, and of course he can't throw it away because apparently he throws like a nerd or a geek, and apparently geeks can't. Uh, geeks can't throw i mean Dwayne dibley is very much that i guess like early 90s stereotype of what a nerd was at least in the uk the sort of you know anorak wearing you know big teeth very yeah i guess unstylish maybe is i think the word, as which Kat of course, says you know, at one point he says uh so geeky i don't even think oh no somebody else says about him maybe so geeky i don't think he could even get into a science fiction convention yes i think that was ace who says who says that and yeah, I think you know nowadays. I think you look like I. Lo- I love the Dwayne Dibley side character, but whenever they like allude to him being like a nerd or a geek or a dork, in in my mind, I'm like it's a very, and it's not the show's fault, but it's a very you know '90s portrayal of what a geek or dork like. You know, as we all like nerds can be stylish, you know, and they can be they can, yeah. yeah do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like it, it's that sort of thing. But but yeah, this the, the whole ending though, because Ace jumps on the grenade uh doesn't die but then they freeze the polymorph and um don't they just they excuse it away with like oh you know didn't well it's an act of courage isn't it he says oh how did you not know it was going to damage your hard light uh b and he's like oh i didn't i just wanted to save you guys which sure you know very valiant and stuff um and then the episode just sort of ends with Dwayne dibley accidentally freezing Freezing them yeah yeah and that's, that's it. Kind of and I've just yeah. like I know I know we've talked about before, like, you know, this show can do really like rushed conclusions or rushed endings. But with this one, I'm kinda of like, yeah, you've taken out the polymorph, but there's that is literally it. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know what I was I guess I just wanted a bit more I don't know, just a bit more closure. Like see them dispose of it or 
or do the thing they've done earlier this series where they're all say back in the cockpit and they're like right you know we've still got to look for red dwarf you know i think they did that at the start of the season i just thought the ending here was really weak personally like uh, yeah, yeah no i i would agree with that i think the ending was um a little bit i also i obviously for practical reasons i mean it's a show it has it's a sitcom they have to reset the status quo oh, yeah, yeah um, for sure. i understand why ace couldn't stay at like for external reasons but story logic wise yes. like do they have to return all of that personality to him like well, why like if i was in in that yeah. world i'd be like we could just leave him like this he's he's much nicer we like him like this <laughs> Yeah, I'm surprised they surprised they wouldn't, but I just think you know how I said the first ten minutes, you know, I was like that it didn't it well, it didn't need to be that long or that opening setup. Like you could have cut a few minutes there and added it to the end to as I say, like have a close a, a proper closing scene if you like. But yeah. yeah, as it stands, like when it when it ended and I heard the end credits come up, I was like, Oh, right, okay then that that's lich that is literally yeah. it. And all you it know, needed was also something in there, even not at the end, even somewhere in the middle with the ace thing, to like uh, just a throwaway like just a single line of exposition that said something like, Oh, yes. if you if you go too long without all your full emotions and stuff, you die or something like that. Like it, it's yeah. there's some kind of negative consequence to this, even if you like the person you have become without that emotion. So that would have that would have yeah. solved my issue there. But um, but yeah, no, the ending was a bit yep, abrupt and as, yeah, it, as it sometimes just a bit, is. Yeah, just a, uh, abrupt can work, but I just felt for me, at least it didn't have the punch. Maybe it just sort of fell flat. Although I did notice two last little things in the ending credits. Um Hugh Quashery was the yes. computer in the beginning. And I was like, what? Because, I mean, I guess he's most known, anyone who watches Holby City, he's played Rick Griffin. I don't know if he's still in it, but he, I mean, he, he was in Holby City for years and years and years and years. Uh, Doctor Who fans, he was Solomon in the Dalek New York two-parter in David Tennant's time, of course. Um, and then the Gelf chief was apparently Ainsley Harriet. Was it? That's what the credit, and I rewound it. I was like, no, I was like, I've read that wrong. It says the Gelf chief was Ainsley Harriet. Now, is that obviously, well, you know, when you read that name, a lot of us will think to, you know, Ready Steady Cook, the famous chef. I don't think it is, um, you know, because I've well, just looked him up on IMDb actor... and it yeah. says, it says Ainsley Harriet was uh, born on the 20th in uh, uh, February in 1957, London. Um, yes. He's an actor known for yes. tabloid, can't smoke away. Oh, you know, maybe he is because he did do a cooking show. Well, maybe it is. I'm just on, I'm just on Wikipedia, which I know. It just know, doesn't mention rival, his you, cooking career. You just said the 28th of Feb, 1957. And that matches. Yeah? That matches. Okay, maybe it yeah. is and, then. And also because... Well, when I went on the uh, Emo Hawk episode listing on Wikipedia, you can click on Ainsley Harriet's name and that's what's come up. So, I, I mean... Well, there we go. Hard to tell under all that makeup, but I just saw the name and I was like, no way. I was like, surely. I mean, I love Ainsley Harriet. <laughs> I think he's great. That's brilliant. Probably um, like any American listeners we've got will be like, who the hell like, is Ainsley what Harriet? Are what are you talking about? Ainsley well, Harriet used it, to present it, a cooking show. <laughs> <laughs> on, a good cooking a good, show yeah um, uh, on our tv here and um I mean, in the in the sort of 90s was it mainly nine, late 90s i mean yeah i mean if you he has become a meme in recent years for various things he's said that get taken out of context like 
I don't know if this is too edgy for our show, but I mean, well, no, there's no explicit words. Basically, people took a clip where he's making some sort of meat dish. Um, and there's, <laughs> again, out of context, it sounds a bit weird, but there's a line where he's like, basically, it's something about rubbing the the food to make it, I don't know, more tender, more, you know, whatever it is. But it's, he, he does it and then looks directly into the camera and with the biggest smile on his face goes, give your meat a good old rub. And that line has been taken out of context so many times. And yeah, so maybe uh, international listeners might know him from the meme. But yeah, UK listeners should definitely know him from Ready, Steady, Cook. And But yeah, I just, as I said, I rewound it. I, I just, I couldn't believe it. But again, under all that makeup and the uh, the modulated voice, you know, it, it, you know. Yeah. I, yeah, sure. I, I think not? also he's, so he's got on his, in 1998, he did a TV special called Can't Smeg, Won't Smeg, in which is Ooh. kind of set in universe to... Um, Red Dwarf, where it says it says on the uh, synopsis that 20th century television chef Ainsley Harriet beams himself <laughs> aboard the space vessel Starbug in order to test the crew's culinary skills. We need <laughs> right, we need to okay. find this, and yeah, we got We need to do yeah. we need to review this. <laughs> yeah, so he's clearly a fan then, like, or he, he's you know, or he's had associations. So yeah, yeah. I just thought that was a cool bit of trivia at the very end. I was like, that's cool. I missed that. That's, that is great. Neat. That is that is really yeah. good. Fantastic. Um, look, so we always, of course, have our regular features where we pick our favorite character of the episode. Could be for any reason whatsoever. It can be somebody that just they could just be in one scene. They could just have one little moment you like or it could be based on loads of things but who is your favorite character in this Ooh. week's episode i'm gonna have to give it to uh cat slash Dwayne dibley um just because i mean i love that side character anyway and as much as i love ace rimmer as well i just think Dwayne got a lot more funny lines and things to do this time around so yeah i'm gonna give it to i'm gonna give it to cat which we don't as we said we don't often do because uh, he often doesn't get enough. But yeah, I really enjoyed it this time around. What about you? I'm going to give it to Dave's Bride. <laughs> oh, I'm giving okay, that my favorite. Yeah. yeah, my favorite character in this episode is Dave's Bride. That that line when she goes, men, <laughs> they're all. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's so like when she's trying to him in bed when they're in the marital bed. And it's just like the under all that prosthetics they've managed to convey so much still and it's like the way she's stroking his face and stuff. it's hilarious um so i'm giving yeah, it to yes. uh, dave's bride i'm not going to try and pronounce her name <laughs> yes yeah maybe for the best but no good good shout good choice very niche choice and the other thing we pick is our funniest moment of the episode uh mm. what was yours it's gotta be the return and reveal of Dwayne dibley um perfectly shot perfectly executed i mean you hear it in the audience as we said it's just a great reveal and a great return for that aces is good too but obviously by then i guess you're sort of expecting it a little bit maybe because you've had the one with cat but yeah it, it was the moment that made me laugh and sort of whoop the most if you like so yeah it's got to be the return of of Dwayne dibley yeah I, that was very funny and I, I that was a contender for me. Um, I'm giving it to, I, it didn't make me laugh out loud so much. So I loved it and I was like, oh, but it, it wasn't so much a laugh out loud moment for me as such. So I've gone for the line we've already mentioned, which is um, you've dated worse. 
Yeah, but it was the, oh, yes, the disco yeah. lighting was terrible or something like that. Yeah. Only yeah. terrible disco lighting. And um, yeah, the, so I'm giving it to that line. Solid. So they probably Solid got the biggest show. laugh from me. And finally, how many scutters out of 10 do you give this episode? Well, uh, for this one, I'm, I'm going to give it just a 6.5 for me, I'm oh, afraid. Wow, okay. um, as I said, the, the, the first third didn't really do much for me at all i hate to say it because as you know now you know i really enjoy this show but yeah it just it didn't grab me really there was very few of the gags that grabbed me um the ending as discussed i wasn't really a fan of that either um it was one of those cases where the abruptness i feel at least didn't work um it just it just sort of says oh yeah we're done and a lot of rushed elements i would have loved to have seen more of the emo hawk uh in action if you like that sort of thing i mentioned about getting to the gelth world sooner um but you know i, I did enjoy like the return of Dwayne dibley ace rimmer there's some good gags in there but yeah for me this just felt a bit lackluster in many departments so yeah 6.5 for me fair what enough about you i have given it a bit higher i've given it 7.5 um okay. and th- i agree it wasn't the funniest episode as a comedy um if if i was just marking on how funny is this episode it probably would have been lower but there were other things about it i liked i thought it was a good uh, after we got past that opening scene from then on in it was kind of a good adventure it was just kind of a good adventure sure. story and a good world building story if that makes sense as well there no, were lots no, of sense. from the past it kind of set up a bit like the fact that there is a gulf sector i like that which we hadn't heard yep. of before you know it's it's got nice bits of world building um and uh, and bringing the fact that it finds clever ways to bring in older elements as well, like Dwayne and Ace and the polymorph, um, was kind of like pleased. It was it's a very fan pleasing episode for that reason. I think um, it's uh, oh for what, sure it? uh, fan service. That's the word I'm looking for. So I kind of like those yeah, and the nice callbacks and um, but uh, but that beginning part. And the fact that the ending was rushed and the fact that overall it wasn't a massively funny one means that I can't quite give it higher. But yeah, 7.5. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Well, that's another episode down and we uh, head on towards the end of series six. Only a few more episodes left. Um, Mm. And yeah, uh, if you haven't already, do go and follow us on our Twitter account for the podcast. Yes, please do. It's at... All Dead Dave Pod. Where on Twitter and elsewhere can people find you, Adam? Where can you find me? Well, I am on YouTube, just as Adam Martin, Adam Martin with a Y. I make videos on all sorts, a lot of Doctor Who, but also other stuff I'm interested in. Just give the channel a scout out. I'm sure there's something there you'll like. And uh, on Twitter, I'm Adam Martin ATV for my daily ramblings, some memes, uh, giveaways as well. I do a lot of Doctor Who themed giveaways because. As many Doctor Who fans will know, sometimes you simply accrue too much stuff and you need to you need to get rid of it. Um, but no, I do like doing them anyway. I think it's a great chance to, you know, allow people in the community to get stuff they might not have been able to before. Um, so yeah, go and follow me there. What about you, Phil? Well, you can find me on my YouTube channel if you're not already on it, because this podcast, of course, goes out on all the usual podcast platforms, but it also goes out on my YouTube channel as well. It does. Um, and that is just my name, Philip Hawkins. And... On there, you will find lots of pop culture commentary and reviews and things like that. Things like this podcast, but also things on Doctor Who, Star Trek, the MCU, all sorts of things. Basically, any geeky pop culture that I I am interested in. Aces. 
So there we go. Uh, another episode down. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a comment below telling us what you thought of the episode. If you're watching on or listening on YouTube and we will see you next time. See you later.